welcome to the Sensitive and Soulful Show. If you're the type of person who's often heard that you're too sensitive, you're too emotional, you're just too much, this is your place. Hi, my name is Alyssa Boyer and I'm a mentor for highly sensitive people. My mission in life is to help other highly sensitive souls learn how to embrace their sensitivity as a gift. Each week, I will share tools, tips, and stories for you to learn how to lean into your sensitivity and learn how to work with it instead of fighting against it. I believe the world is a better place when more sensitive, deep-feeling people feel comfortable and confident in their skin, and I can't wait to show you how. So, get comfy, and let's dive in. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Sensitive and Soulful Show. Today is going to be a fun episode because I am doing the first of many Q&A episodes. So a couple of weeks ago I asked on Instagram for you all to submit your HSP questions to me and I got some really great questions from you guys. I ended up breaking down the questions into separate categories. So over the next few months, I will publish a different Q&A episode every, yeah, every now and again. I think it's kind of fun to to add these in here. So that's something I'm going to continue to do, I think, if you all enjoy it, because it always helps me to know what is interesting for you guys to hear about and like what you're wondering about. And I just love doing different episode styles and just like kind of playing around with it. I'm honestly like having so much fun with this podcast. Side note, I used to be so opposed to having a podcast and I think it was just because I was like, oh, this is going to be so much work. I don't know what I'm doing. The technology freaked me out. I also was just like adverse to scheduling guests because I only have so much time because I do work full time and have this business. And so I just like dug my heels in for the longest time and didn't didn't create a podcast. And then Madison, who edits my podcast, who's awesome, reached out and was like, hey, are you ever going to do a podcast? And it was like, she was like the third person in one week who asked me that. And I was like, wow, this feels like a sign from the universe. And so Madison editing my podcast has been amazing editing, uploading, doing show notes, like huge, huge, huge. And I also just like made the decision for myself that right now I'm just doing solo episodes, like obviously as you can tell, because it helps me feel more in control in terms of like scheduling. It's just one of the ways I choose to reduce overwhelm in my in my life and it feels really good. And so I just wanted to share that with you too, because for one, having help if if you can in whatever capacity is really awesome. And it's just nice to take some of the burden off your plate whenever you're able to, like, again, whatever that looks like in your life, whether it's asking for help with your kids, if you just need a moment, or if it's asking for help at work because you have too many projects, like, don't be afraid to ask for help. And then the second point I want to share Don't be afraid to do things your own way. There's so many shoulds in the world. There's so many things where it's like, oh, this is the way you do it. This is how everyone does it. If you don't do it this way, it's wrong. And I say, screw that. (laughs) Like, why do we have to do things in any sort of way? Like, we totally don't. And so I, I find it very empowering to 
now kind of throw those shoulds out the window and just do things in the way that feels good in alignment with me. And so thus the solo episodes and just kind of going going along with the way that it feels good to me. And so I offer those things to you because I think like for HSPs anyway, like we're wired differently. We have different needs. We're just different people. And so maybe the way that things work for someone else aren't necessarily going to work for you. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you'll find so much freedom and empowerment when you throw those shoulds out the window and you kind of quiet yourself, quiet your mind and just tap into how you're feeling and what actually feels good to you. Like, oh my gosh, so powerful. Whew. Kind of went off on a tangent there. I think I could do a whole episode on that. <laughs> but let's get into today's episode and start answering some of the awesome questions you guys submitted. Okay, so our first question comes from Soraya. And I apologize if I am mispronouncing your name. It's spelled S-O-R-A-Y-A, Soraya. I hope I'm saying it right. She asked, any tips on overcoming things like being scared of loud noises, busy areas, etc.? This is such a good question because as HSPs, there are likely going to be a lot of things that might freak us out, might feel very overwhelming to us, might cause us to feel anxious. Like, it's totally normal because of our sensitive nervous systems and we might just not feel so comfortable in certain situations that other people might think are no big deal. So the first tip that comes to mind to me with this question is this idea of creating a sense of safety within yourself. So I always tell my HSP clients and the members in my community that we can't control what happens in the world around us. We can only make ourselves feel like a safe place to be. We can only, you know, we can only take care of ourselves. And when we do that, when we kind of have our protective armor on, so to speak, when we feel comfortable with ourselves and, and who we are, then we're able to better go out into the world and be a little less impacted by things. Of course, I don't say that we'll be immune to everything because it's just not true and I don't want to lead anyone falsely, but I know that when we can find that sense of safety within ourselves, we can go into situations and feel a little bit better. First and foremost, on that note, feeling, a, feeling safety within yourself. What are some things that you can do in the moment when you're in a situation that makes you feel scared or overwhelmed or anxious? What can you do in that moment to create a feeling of safety within yourself? Maybe it is taking deep breaths into your belly. And if you've never really like done that consciously, like take a moment to do that right now. Like just take a deep breath into your belly instead of into your chest. <sighs> There's totally a difference, and there are actually studies that show that when we breathe into our stomach instead of into our chest, we're stimulating our vagus nerve, and this is causing us to feel more sense of calm throughout our body. It's, it's um, signaling to our body that we are not in danger, because a lot of times when we're breathing through our chest, or, you know, into our chest, we are kind of breathing fast and shallow and it can perpetuate that feeling of like fight or flight and, you know, feeling on edge. So I am 
by the way, not a scientist or not whatever, like, I'm probably not explaining that well, but what I do know is that I feel calm when I breathe into my belly. So that can be one thing that you do. Another thing that you can maybe have in your back pocket, so to speak, is a mantra that you repeat to yourself. So if you're in the moment, you're feeling a little bit anxious, maybe you can repeat to yourself, I am safe. And what you can do while you're repeating this mantra is you can rub your arm, you can hold on to a pressure point on your hand. I will link this gamut point, pressure point on your hand. I'll, I'll link an Instagram post I did about this because there's this point on your hand that you can squeeze and it will actually stimulate that vagus nerve that I just referenced earlier and start to immediately calm you. And that's something you can do anytime, anywhere. So maybe you hold on to that gamut point, which just if you're listening to this right now, I'll try to explain it. So The gamut point can be found between your ring finger and your pinky finger. So if you're, you know, touching the top of your hand, it's like the soft, fleshy part in between those those two fingers, like in between the bone there. Again, I'll, I'll have it linked so you can try that, but try holding that gamut point and repeating that I am safe mantra. Another thing you can do is carry lavender essential oils or something else that, you know, feels calming to you. Maybe you're a fan of crystals. So these are just some ways to kind of bring that feeling of safety with you wherever you go. Another tip I would suggest is getting clear on what exactly about the situation scares you or feels overwhelming like getting to the root of what's going on there and what you're afraid of happening. Because a lot of times, you know, we're afraid because we are trying to think ahead, we're trying to protect ourselves. And so fear sets in and holds us back because we, you know, we want to protect ourselves. Like it's a very instinctual thing. But a lot of times, like these fears can be not actually anything that is actually going to hurt us. You know what I mean? Like, just because we're walking into a busy place doesn't mean that we're automatically going to be overwhelmed or it's automatically going to be bad or unsafe. These are oftentimes just fears that are linked to old past experiences that are still kind of replaying for us. So I would offer up to just get curious about what might be beneath the surface here. Like, what is the reason that you're feeling so scared in this situation? Like, what are you really afraid of happening? Sometimes it can also help to write out our worst case scenario. What are all of the things you're really afraid of happening? What would be the worst possible thing that could happen? Write it all out and then write out a few solutions. Write out a few ways you could manage this situation. Like, what are some things you can do? In Susie Moore's book, Let It Be Easy, she said that in any given situation, we always have at least three choices. We always have something we can do. We can always figure something out. Have that mindset as you're doing this journaling practice. Ask yourself, okay, if this happened, what would I do? What would be a solution? How, you know, how could I feel safer? How could I get out of this situation, etc.? And then once you have those kind of solutions, like, Pretend you're tying it up with a bow, like, okay, that's it. This is what I would do if that happened. End of story. 
And then I think the last tip I would say here is to kind of weigh things out for yourself. I always like to look at situations as weighing out what happens if I do do this thing? What happens if I don't do this thing? With so many things in life that are uncomfortable for us, there is a trade-off. For instance, if your great fear is going to a crowded place because you know that if there's potentially loud noises, it can feel really scary and really overwhelming to you. So your choice is, okay, I'm not going to go to this place and I will avoid loud, scary noises that might be overwhelming. But ask yourself what the trade-off is here. Okay, so I don't go. I'm safe from this uncomfortable situation. But what am I missing out on? Well, I might be missing out on seeing my friends more often. I might be missing out on a potentially cool opportunity, a potentially cool experience. Maybe this is holding you back from like going to a concert to see your favorite artist, or it's holding you back from taking a job in a new city, whatever that might look like. Kind of seeing what the trade-off is for you and then deciding deciding which one you're willing to deal with. You know what I mean? Like I, I think there's never a perfect answer, but there's always going to be slight discomfort with things. So what are you willing to live with? Like what, which discomfort are you willing to live with? So if, you know, if you're weighing that out and you're like, man, but I do want to have cool experiences. I do want to meet cool people and I'm not willing to give that up. Then maybe you go out into these situations that might be uncomfortable, might be overwhelming, but you have some of the tools in your back pocket to self-soothe in the moment and you're able to go out in the world and like do things that kind of scare you, but you're kind of proud of yourself for doing anyway, because you would rather have that discomfort than the discomfort of not doing it. So I hope that makes sense. Another like practical thing that I just thought of too, is like if loud noises are overwhelming for you, like I know there are so many different types of earplugs out there now where they're noise reducing. You can still hear things, but it kind of softens them. Um, I'll look up a brand and see if I can link them because I've seen people share some good ones before. So I'll include that as well. Okay, question number two comes from Leah. She asked a great question. She asked, what's a myth about HSPs that gets passed around? Love this. So the first one that came to mind for me is that highly sensitive people just sit around and cry all day. Like we're just emotionally sensitive. I think that's probably one of the biggest like misconceptions for highly sensitive people. I'm guessing that many of you have heard this or experienced this and it's so untrue. Yes, of course, most of us HSPs are more emotional than the non-HSPs around us, but that's not necessarily a rule. I know some HSPs that I've talked to who are like, eh, I don't really cry that much. But yes, we often do have a little bit more emotional sensitivity. We're often going to be the ones that cry at a sweet commercial or feel so touched by a kind neighbor or something like that. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. But that is not the one and only thing that makes up being an HSP. That's like one small part of many HSPs experiences. There's so much more to it. Being an HSP, 
you'll notice that you're probably more sensitive to things like sleep. You need things to be a particular way. Maybe you're really, you really need your clothes to fit in a specific way. Like I shared on my Instagram story, I have this weird thing where like, I only like crew necks. Well, it's not only, but like, I don't like boat necks. I don't any like anything like too wide or swoop neck. Like it drives me crazy. It's just a, an HSP thing that I have. So highly sensitive people, like we're going to be more sensitive to sensory things. So an itchy tag can be just like too much. We might feel restricted more easily by clothing. We often are more sensitive to sounds and smells and lighting. So there's a lot of like sensory things that come with being an HSP. And then of course there's the depth of processing. We're literally processing the world around us on a really deep level. Like think supercomputer brain. Like you're just processing so deeply and you're noticing lots of patterns and trends that people around you might not notice. I think a lot of times we have can have such a knack for yeah, just like seeing seeing those patterns and like being able to kind of look at a story and see the connections and, and all of that. Another thing that HSPs tend to be great at is emotional intelligence. So with the deep processing and the noticing subtleties, we'll kind of notice the shifts in a person's facial expression or the way they're standing or, you know, just the slight difference in tone of voice. I share all of this because I want to bust that myth. It's not just emotional sensitivity. There is so much more to it. The other myth I will say that we can bust is being highly sensitive is the same as being hypersensitive. I wrote a whole article about this for Highly Sensitive Refuge. I will link that in the show notes. Hypersensitivity, high sensitivity are not the same thing, although they are often used interchangeably. They're not the same. So somebody who is hypersensitive is going to have trouble managing their emotions at all. They might have lots of emotional outbursts. Um, An example of somebody who is hypersensitive is like if they receive any sort of criticism, even if it's like kindly said or even, even not even really criticism, they might blow up. They might take it up very offensively and get very defensive and, you know, have a big reaction. Another example of someone hypersensitive behavior would be trying to kind of almost hurt someone else in a retaliation kind of way. Just feeling like the world is against me and I can't trust anyone and it's just like feeling very emotionally reactive. Whereas high sensitivity, yes, we're gonna again probably be more emotionally sensitive, but that isn't necessarily going to mean that we're going to have these outbursts. We're going to be reacting in these big ways all the time. Being highly sensitive also, we have a lot of empathy for people, not saying hypersensitive people don't, but highly sensitive people are really going to have a lot of empathy. And so we're likely not going to just like blow up on somebody. We're often maybe going to see their point of view and kind of be able to manage our emotions in a healthy way, even if we are feeling a lot. And the last thing I'll say on this one here is that there is often an overlap with highly sensitive people and hypersensitive people. (laughs) So that's why it's confusing because hypersensitivity is something that is going to be most often caused by trauma, having an abusive childhood or being incessantly bullied, things like that, like that can really impact you. It's very much like a protective 
mechanism. And so a lot of highly sensitive people, like we're going to often be more prone to experiencing trauma. This is like a whole other episode. But the reason for that is because our nervous systems are so sensitive. And so we will just simply be more impacted by life's events than non-highly sensitive people. And so if hypersensitivity is caused often by trauma and highly sensitive people are more prone to maybe experience trauma, then yes, there is a link, but they are truly, truly not interchangeable. They are two different things. And I think it's such a myth and it's incorrect to use them interchangeably because they're not. So definitely go read more. In that article I did, though, I did a lot of research for it. I wrote it a few months ago and I'm blanking on all of the exact details. But yeah, there's a lot of good research in that article. All right. Last question I'm going to answer in this episode is, is there a relationship between HSPs and introverts? Yes, totally. One way I'll put it is not all introverts are HSPs, but 70% of HSPs are introverts. So the majority of highly sensitive people will be introverted, but that's not a rule. There are 30% who are extroverted, and that's awesome. There's definitely a lot of overlap between HSPs and introverts, and so oftentimes highly sensitive people will go for many years, if not their whole life, and think that they're just an introvert and not even realize that there's the highly sensitive piece. Some of the commonalities between the two is introverts are going to be more introspective. They're going to kind of enjoy having more time in their own minds and kind of like processing deeply, thinking deeply about problems and really thinking before they speak. Introverts are more often going to be processing internally versus processing externally and like talking it out with every single person. Not always the case. I'm an introvert, but I also like process verbally with people, but just sharing that it's, there's a lot of internal contemplation that happens with introverts. And so obviously you can kind of see that there's that through line between HSPs and, and introverts because HSPs also are very introspective and tend to think very deeply about things and like to make connections. Another commonality between introverts and HSPs are that this need for more downtime than less sensitive people or than extroverts. So an introverted person, for instance, is not necessarily going to be fueled up by social interactions. Like they may enjoy it with a few close friends or they may enjoy it for a very short period of time, but instead of it filling them up and filling their battery up and making them feel more energized, it's usually going to make them feel a little bit more depleted. And they're going to actually get their energy from then spending time alone. And for HSPs, we tend to get more drained in social situations as well. A lot of that has to do with feeling overwhelmed by all of the stimulation happening, also like all of the energy (laughs) around us. Many of us are very empathetic and very sensitive to other people's energy and moods, so that can be another thing that drains us. I feel more fulfilled when I'm at home and like kind of recharging my batteries and reading a book and writing, writing in my journal, you know? So there is definitely a lot of commonalities between the two. And one book I would love to suggest if you have not read it and you are an introvert, 
It's the book Quiet. I believe the author is Susan Kane. I will link this in the show notes as well. This book was like so validating for me and it was amazing. My husband had gone to a, if you've heard of the DISC assessment, it's D-I-S-C. It's like a work assessment type of thing, like personality thing. Anyway, my husband had gone to some conference for that and I thought that was so cool because he doesn't usually do like self-development stuff, but he had to do it for work. Anyway, he met a woman there who was an introvert and she told him that the book Quiet changed her life and like made her really feel like she could accept herself. And so he bought that book for me and it's one of my favorite books. It's so, so helpful. And it's really interesting in that book too. She actually mentions highly sensitive people and like even talks about going to Dr. Elaine Aaron, the woman who coined the term HSP. She talks about going to one of her retreats, which I thought was super cool. I love that book. So I'm going to link that for you in case you're interested. And I think at the end of the day, when it comes to being an HSP and an introvert, there's just a lot of self-acceptance that is needed. And oftentimes, highly sensitive, introverted people are just going to feel so different than the world around them. But it's such a common thing for HSPs. So I hope that me talking about this here and being hopefully meeting other HSPs in this community is helping you see like, wow, we all have so much in common here. I think it feels necessary to just throw in like for our HSP extrovert friends, because there are 30% of HSPs are extroverted. So I can't personally say I've had the extrovert experience, but I know from talking to some HSP extrovert friends, they've told me that one of the challenges of being an HSP extrovert are that they really enjoy and feel fulfilled by having those social interactions, right? Like they're extroverts, so that gives them a lot of energy. However, they do have the HSP factor as well. So even though they might love having those social interactions, they also really need to recharge and they still get drained by social situations. And so I think that could sometimes be sort of a double whammy and an opportunity to kind of really be honest with yourself and really be compassionate with yourself if that is your experience and kind of know where is my line drawn? When when do I really need to go home so that I can honor and take care of myself as an HSP, but still get my social battery filled up? So I thought that was just important to include as well, because I'm sure some of you listening can definitely relate to that. All right. I like really enjoyed doing this Q&A thing. I really hope you guys enjoyed listening to this too. (laughs) I have so much to say on these topics. I didn't plan to go till like almost 30 minutes, but hey, here we are. So send me a DM on Instagram if you liked this episode. I'm, I'm always open to feedback and ideas. Like you guys give me so many awesome ideas. So definitely reach out and look out for future Q&A question or Q&A episodes. I'm, I'm so excited to keep doing these. Thank you, friends, for tuning in as always. And until next time. Thank you so much for joining me. If you like this podcast, please be sure to rate, subscribe, and share it with a friend who might need it. And I can't wait to chat with you next time. Sending you all the love. Talk soon.